All right, so this is kind of fun. Um, I've already introduced myself, but this is Seth Trout. Hi, everyone. And uh, he's the other part of our teaching team. I'm going to twist that so it's a little more comfortable. And uh, we normally just preach one at a time, but today we're doing it together. And uh, one of my kids actually was like, so is it going to be like a debate? And I was like, no, I would get crushed. <laughs> in a debate uh, with Seth. So it's not a debate, it's a conversation and a teaching. And it kind of comes out of actually uh, during the, the early part of the pandemic when we were doing online video recorded services, uh, kind of to mix it up. We did a couple of team teaching things and we kind of went, you know what, let's do that again. So, and it fits because today we're talking about the church and the family and the community of God that is the local church. So uh, Seth, welcome. Thank you. To the stage. It's good to be here. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to teach about community and community. That's kind yeah, of like that the is goal fun. there. We do this podcast called King and Culture Podcast, which is basically this, but longer, and you can speed it up. So if you uh, <laughs> uh, wish this was a little like 1.5 times faster, you can do that on the podcast. So yeah. check that out. Yeah, so check that out if you're interested. Um, this is, like I said, week two of this series, Truth We Can Touch. And here's kind of the idea of it. Seth introduced it last week uh, with the idea um, that, that Jesus came in the flesh. That's, the theologians call it the incarnation. It's God con carne, God with meat, God with flesh, the incarnation. And the fact is, Jesus didn't, I'm sorry, when God wanted to really intervene in the world, he didn't intervene just by sending ideas or by sending philosophies or even just by sending the scriptures, though we're thankful he sent the scriptures. But he came in the flesh. He came in a body. And what's so interesting about biblical Christianity is that it's a very embodied faith. There's a lot of, uh, throughout the history of the church, sights and smells and up and down and postures of prayer. And there's just lots of different uh, realities that make our faith an embodied faith. And so we thought kind of leading into this Christmas time, this Advent season, it just made sense to kind of talk about some of the physical uh, dynamics of the faith. And so last week he introduced it with the incarnation. Today we're talking about the assembly, that when we gather, especially gathering in person, that we experience something that we don't necessarily experience when we are scattered. And so that's kind of what we're, what we're looking at today. So we're looking at really uh, the church and what it is to be uh, gathered together as the church. Yeah, I think it's, it's helpful this Christmas season to think about how God moves towards us, how he comes in the flesh towards us, and the implications of that as it affects the way that we move towards one another in community. Is, does it doesn't matter, especially in our current cultural moment where like content is ever available, ever present, YouTube's everywhere, TikTok's everywhere, that you can get information from all over the place, content from all over the place, but what value does community or, or being in the flesh, in the room together, have as relate to what it means to be a church. And so you've been thinking about this this week. What yeah. is the church? That's the first kind of basic question we're going to answer. Yeah, we're going to go through a few questions. First one, what is the church? And so the, the definition I'd give of the church is the church is the people of God through Jesus Christ who gather and scatter to be a sign and an agent of Jesus' kingdom. So kind of unpack that a little bit. It's the people of God in Jesus Christ. So the, 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 the church is primarily a, a people who, not a place where. We're a people who. So it's a people who are connected to God because of the sacrificial death of Christ and his resurrection and our faith and our trust in him. And, and that people of God, we gather together and we scatter it's interesting, even in the, the Bible, the word church, ekklesia is the Greek word, it means the assembly, 
or the gathering. And so there definitely is a sense that, that, that a significant part of what we do as the people of God in Jesus is to gather. We also scatter though, and we gather and we scatter to be, as I said, a sign and an agent of the kingdom. So we're a sign. We're pointing to the kingdom of God. We do not believe that this gathering is the kingdom of God. It's a taste of it. It's that little pink spoon ice cream sample that you get. It's a real taste, but it's not the full thing. But what we are is a sign. We're pointing to that the fullness of the kingdom of God is coming in Christ. And then we're an agent of it. God uses our love and God uses our good works and God uses our preaching and God uses our encouragement of people to, to extend and to um, create and develop his kingdom on earth. So that's what the church is. I think when you think about that church, it's important that this gather and scattered thing, most of us in this room probably emphasize one or the other and matters of emphasis are, are okay, but we can get imbalanced pretty quickly that if we think the church is only the scattered people of God, like, well, I'm the church, you're the church, so what's the point of gathering together? What's the point of coming together? It actually like misunderstands the nature of that the church is the assembled people of God, mm. that we are individually participating in the church, but it's not fair to say that I am the church, but it's actually the, the location of the assembly of the coming together. Yeah. And if we dismiss the value of the gathered church, we end up getting this overly individualistic me, myself, and the Holy Spirit, and none of these other people. And we kind of misunderstand our role as being part of a body, and we yeah. misunderstand like the function of gathering together and the purpose of that. But like for a long time, especially like in throughout church history, there's been this overemphasis on the gathered people to the neglect of the scattered people. And that's one of the reasons why we as a church, we talk about how all of life is all for Jesus is right. because it's not just Sunday morning that you're doing church stuff, but we actually go and represent the church everywhere that we go. And we're actually participating in the life of the kingdom as the spirit leads us in the day-to-day -day and flow-to-flow of our lives. And yeah. so recognizing in our own hearts where we're tempted to overemphasize or underemphasize gathered or scattered uh, is helpful as we kind of recognize that those things exist in eternal tension, and that doesn't really go away. Well, and I think one of the reasons why we want to focus in this, uh, in this message about the gathered part of it is because that's what really got de-emphasized through COVID. You know, there was a sense, you got a lot of people who were just going like, yeah, I can go to church, I can not go to church, whatever. And then you, for the first time, you had kind of churches everywhere going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll have it online, just watch it online. And it kind of, I think, for a lot of us created this like, well, well do we need to gather? Like, if I could just watch it online, then what? What's the value of, of gathering? And so we actually wanted to kind of push into that and say, you know what, if we have an embodied God coming in Christ and we have an embodied faith, then the embodied gathering is actually pretty significant. So, uh, so we want to kind of focus on that in particular. So Seth, what does the Bible say about gathering as a church? Yeah, so one, as you said, the word church means gathering. It means assembly. And so it's, it's not that the building is the church. So that's probably... A false way to talk about it, but the but this is the church. The assembly of the people of God is is a local church. But we see this in a couple of texts, and one of the things that, especially in our church tradition, even kind of what we're doing now, is we tend to think about that we come to church to receive content. Hmm and to be taught. But actually, the church is way more broad than that that we see. In the book of Acts 2, uh, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is like teaching the Bible, which is what we're doing now. Uh, uh, the fellowship 
which is koinonia, which is the Greek word for like, uh, even like where you get some of the words like koitis from, like there's intimacy, connection, um, mutually building each other up, um, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, which most likely referred to just explicitly taking communion together, reminding each other of the gospel, and prayers. And so prayers would be the laying out of hands, the connecting, the physical connection. And so we see even those four functions of teaching, fellowshipping, breaking of bread, and praying. And we think about in our church context, we tend to reduce church to like when the service starts and when the service ends, mm. rather than... The and even sh- more, I think for some of us, it's even like when the sermon starts. Yeah, you have like prelude, sermon, uh, postlude or whatever. Well, Beat traffic. Yeah, get yeah. Out of here. Yeah. yeah, get the traffic. And so it's like, so even when we kind of miss church, it's like, oh, I got to go back and listen to the sermon because we're kind of a sermon-centric thing. Whereas the nature of the church in the early mm. Testament was like the, the, from the time that you were getting out of your car and connecting with people and seeing people's faces, learning their names, uh, hearing about, you know, their, their kids blow out on the way to work or church or whatever. And you're going like, oh, it must be so hard to have to change diaper. And then you're doing the, like, that, that's all church, the fellowship, the connecting, the learning, the, the seeing, the sensing, yeah. the tasting, the touching, like these five senses things and mm. being prayed for and praying for each other, sharing in weakness and allowing people to exhort you mm. and, and speak life into you. That's all part of the function of the church. Um, likewise, we see another text in, in Acts we got here, Acts 2.20, I think we got a text here. I'm just going to read it out of my Bible because it's my neck starts hurting if I look that way too much. Um, but this is a, a story about Eutychus. So they're gathered in the early church, and it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, again, they're taking communion together. Paul talked to them, that's the apostles' teaching, attended to leave the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. So no matter how long our sermons ever are, they'll never be that long. <laughs> they're going, going until midnight. This is Paul preaching going... And one more thing. Oh, and one more thing. Oh, and one more thing. Oh, and my final point. <laughs> my final series of final points, yeah. Um, and there are many lamps in the upper room, so it's dark. There's like carbon dioxide gathering up. Verse 9. And I love a, the detail of that. Yeah, and a young man named yeah. Eutychus uh, sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell from the third story and was taken up as dead. So his, the preaching was so long and so boring, this guy falls asleep and dies. Have you ever preached someone to death? Not that I know of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I preach people to sleep. For sleep, yeah. yeah I do every now and then. There's not even lamps, and it's not late. Yeah, every, now and then you see, every now and then you see someone who is having a quick doze during the sermon <laughs> in the lobby. They're like, nice sermon. And you're like, nice nap. You know? <laughs> so it's a, my, mom, my mom was here one day, and I was like, Mom, you, were sli- you fell asleep. She's like, I was not. I'm I like, was praying. Oh, you were praying. I was praying, yeah. <laughs> praying, yeah. So... <laughs> So Paul goes down and raises him from the dead, which I've also never done, um, and says, don't be alarmed, his life is still in him. And they break bread and go till daybreak, and then they leave, and they're all comforted. So like the, the whole point, the reason I wanted to share this text in particular was to highlight that the goal of church is not entertainment. Hmm. Like the goal of church is to be built up, to be challenged, to be encouraged, to learn, to be changed. That uh, a lot of times when we leave church and we go home, the conversations are like, how was church? And what we're functionally saying by that is, was the sermon sufficiently entertaining to you, and did you like the songs or not? And that's kind of what we think about it. And we, in this kind of consumer culture where it's, you go to a movie, and from 90 minutes start to finish, it's really entertaining. Like, that's, that's not the goal. That from time to time, there is important but not interesting stuff that has to get talked about, that has to be, that has to be um, delivered unto, unto people. But I, like, our goal is, we don't have a goal of being boring, but sometimes that... Yeah, there's a, there's a preaching book on how to be more interesting called Saving Eutychus. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is sort of funny. I haven't read it, but maybe, you should. maybe I should, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so, so, so coming, be, being taught, being built up, being encouraged, being challenged. Not everything's always interesting, but hopefully it's all important, even if it's not interesting. Uh, so the, really the goal is to show up and to experience the Spirit, to be challenged, to be built up, to be encouraged. And if you think about coming with a one-degree change over the course of a lifetime, that is ginormous transformation. Mm, yeah. And so it's not like every week we want to have like our, our mind blown and a bomb goes off and I'm 180 degrees different. Sometimes that will happen when like the spirit moves in power in some special way in, someone in someone's individual life. Yeah. Like there are even times where I've preached a sermon that I thought was like, man, kind of boring. And someone comes up and they're like, I have never thought about it. Like, and, it and that was just like the unique work of the spirit in that person's life. Yeah. Not necessarily... Um, uh, the, the preaching per se, and so that well, that happens. And, and some of the emphasis of these passages is is not just about that what you come to receive, mm. right? You talked about did I like the songs or not, but it's also about what you come to give, right? So uh, when Paul the apostle is talking about worship, he's uh, part of it is he's saying part of what we do is sing to one another. Yeah, yeah, that gives us this next text in Ephesians uh, chapter five, which says addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. There's two things in this text that I think I regularly am not thinking about or believing in this Sunday sermon. One is a lot of times we're singing the song because I'm at church and we sing songs, and that's like my thought process. I'm not thinking I'm singing to the Lord, He hears me, and it mm. pleases Him. I'm I'm regularly kind of doing this like hyper personal. Lord, hear my songs. I pray that you like them. Um, but then also that I'm singing to the other people in the room, that I'm addressing one another, that the words that I sing and the words that you sing are meant to build each other up and help us uh, do this thing. That's all part of that, um, that Hebrews text we, that I read earlier, is that we're, we're stirring one another up to love and good works. It's not me stirring myself up here at church, but it's me being here, learning names, recognizing faces, singing to the Lord and to one another, um, receiving and giving um, words from the scripture is all part of this mutually building one another up that our singing is meant to help one another's faith thrive and go. And so even as we sing songs after this time, it, like think, am I thinking about God is hearing my songs? And am I thinking about these words that I'm singing are meant to encourage the people around me? Because oftentimes we yeah. kind of just show up and we are like mostly functioning as atheists during the worship gathering, going like, oh, I know the song, so I'll sing it, or I don't know the song, so I'll just enjoy the music. Yeah, or sometimes, I mean, you, you're a pretty good singer, but I, the rest of us, uh, we sometimes go... You're joyful noise types. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't sound any good. And I'll tell you, one of the most encouraging things to me uh, is people who sound terrible, but are singing their hearts out. Uh, our old student pastor, Josh Watt, he was like that. He I mean, was a he very was bad singer. Terrible voice. He was a bad singer, and he's still a bad singer. He's just further <laughs> away now. So. Yeah, and so we can make fun of him. He, he started Redemption North Mountain. But, but, I mean, he would just sing his heart out. And it was like, actually, the fact that his voice was lousy was more encouraging. Because it was like, he doesn't care about that. He's not wrapped up in that. He's enjoying the Lord. And that always sort of preached a message to me of, mm-hmm. you know what? This isn't about how I sound. This isn't a performance. This is about enjoying God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that that whole idea of like what is the purpose of the gathering? A lot of times we can hear, "Hey, uh, don't neglect coming to church," as is the habit of some, and like half people in the room are like, wah, wah, "As is the habit of me," and it feels like this like law, guilty, shamey thing. But really, we want to be able to receive this exhortation as grace, that this is for our good. This is, I feel like, all the tension of like trying to parent my toddler is it's like me, my rules for you are not just so that I can see if you're submissive to me. My rules for you are so that you can flourish and thrive and do well and hopefully be a couple degrees better off than you would have been without Mm -hmm. my parenting. And so the more we can receive this exhortation 
as a grace, yeah. not as like this uh, makes you feel bad, do the right thing or else command that this is like for my good is, mm. is I think an important part of it. Yeah. Um, when, when we think about this whole idea of like a church, so that's like why, but why does this need to be a priority for us? Now we know yeah. what the gathering is, what we do at it. Let's yeah, talk why about what are the benefits the of the, those prioritizing? Well, the, f- the first reason is because the Bible says so. Well, that wasn't convincing enough, right? I find over time we're like, yeah, but what else? But what really? And, uh, and I just, to go back to the passage we read all together, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so why does the Bible encourage us to not neglect to meet together? I think there's a few reasons. One is we need to be spurred on to love and good works. It's interesting that word uh, spur or stir up one another, it actually has with it the idea of like a, like a thorn, like a barb, like if you get like a rock in your shoe and it's like you can't ignore the rock in your shoe, you have to do something about it. That's what we're supposed to do with one another, to be a kind of loving rock in the shoe for one another so that we could be more faithful, so that we could love the Lord and, and be committed to good works. Um, and then I also think it's interesting, at the end of it, it says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, there's a day when Jesus is going to return, and there's a day when you and I are going to die, and we're going to give an account to him, and that day is getting closer and closer and closer. And on that day, the question is, what do you want to have been formed by? Because we're being formed. Do you want to mostly have been formed by pop culture, by cable news, by classic literature, by what? What do you want to be formed by? And, and, and what this text seems to say is we need a kind of counterformation. We need to be counterformed so that when we stand before the Lord and give an account of our life, um, we, we can say we've, we've, been, we've been recipients of his grace and we're following after him. So When I think about that picture of stirring up, think about when I was a kid and I'd make chocolate milk, which mm-hmm. I, had, I had milk, and then I would take the chocolate syrup and I'd squeeze it in there, and then I'd drink it, and it tasted like garbage because <laughs> I hadn't stirred it up yet. Like, yeah. And there's this need to do the work of stirring mm-hmm. to get like the good stuff that's in there all the way going up. And it's like every morning we wake up as unstirred chocolate right. milk. Well, that's and, why every morning I wake up and I'm thinking about one person, me. And without being stirred up to love and good works, that's where a lot of us stay. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's arrogant to disbelieve this and to go like, but I don't need to be stirred up. Yeah. Or it's also like, I need to be stirred up by someone else. It's not saying stir yourself up, but it's yeah. stir one another up. Yep. So I need to be stirred up by someone else. So yeah. it's not me stirring myself up and it's not me not needing to be stirred, but it's actually my interdependence that leads yeah. to some of this. Well, and then another reason I think this should be a priority is not just because it stirs us up to love and good works, but because it reminds us of the gospel. Listen, there are just so many places where you can be reminded of good works. Go to Barnes & Noble, look at the self-help section. Go to every other religion in human history, and it's all, here's how to be a better person, here's how to try harder, here's there, how to do good works. There's no be a bad person religion. Right. Right. You can go to that. Tony Robbins seminar, or you know, listen to old Zig Ziglar recordings, or whatever, and they're going to tell you, be a better person, Right. But, but what's unique about, about biblical Christianity and what we get in the church is this reminder of the gospel, the good news that it's not about our good works and it's not about our ability to love each other, but that even at our very worst, Christ died for sinners. And that's a message that I never <laughs> grow tired of hearing because I never grow tired of needing it. 
And so it is through the preaching, but it's also through the, through the sacraments, through the practice of baptism and communion that, that the gospel is preached and proclaimed and declared, where we're not just exhorted to try harder, look at what you need to do, but it's going, here's what Christ has done. Yeah, that our position with God is not achieved, it's received. Yeah. That God does it for us when we receive it, and that's the nature of grace. And so when we take communion every week, it's this reminder to us that our inner little self-righteous hearts that want to take credit for all the good stuff we've done, Mm. the grace of God says, not only does your sin not separate from me, but also your good works don't earn proximity to me. Mm. Actually, the blood of Jesus earns proximity to me. And so we hold in our hands every week the the broken wafer, which represents his body, and and the juice, which represents his blood. This is a reminder to us that my position at the Lord's table is dependent on his grace he's given to me, not dependent on me being good enough or not good enough. And so that's like one of the things about like the church is that it's Everyone is showing up as a sinner, and there's still indwelling regular sin in us, and you're showing up to this place where you're to sin against other people and to be sinned against. Well, that's not the goal. It's not the goal. But it's what's going to happen. But it's inevitably what's going to happen. And every week we go, hey, look at all these sinful people who are going to sin against me. Let's take communion together. And you're going, what makes us a people is not our our like sinlessness towards each other or yeah. towards others, but it's actually the grace of Jesus. And so that's why we take communion every single week is this reminder of this. But then also in baptism, it's this picture of having been washed mm-hmm. and buried with Christ and risen to newness of life and going, I didn't give myself new life, just like I didn't give myself life. My mother birthed me mm-hmm. and I just, you know, it happened. Yeah. Right? And similarly, Jesus causes us to be born again to living hope. And so he gives us new life. And so we're going, just like a child, it's, it's so weird we celebrate birthdays and we go like, congratulations on your birthday. It's <laughs> like, we should be giving mothers happy birthdays. You know, like you did it, you yeah, did it. Right. Whereas the children just kind of consent. And so there's a, there's this reality in our life they too. They don't even consent. They're, They're screaming. Consent. Yeah. Mine were. Anyway. Yeah. It happens to them. It's that's passive. Right. Yeah. yeah. But th- that's a picture of our spiritual faith as well, yeah. is it happens to us. Jesus gives us a new heart. His spirit enlightens our eyes to see. He gives us grace. And so there's no room for boasting anywhere. There's just yeah. acknowledgement of what happened. And we are, are, we're in such a resume-centric culture yeah. that wants everyone to earn it and prove it and say it and put it in their bio and mark yourself as having achieved something, whereas the gospel is the antithesis of that, which yeah. says like your resume was given to you by the Lord Jesus as a mark of grace. And so, Well, this is one of the other reasons I think to prioritize it and to receive the church gathering as a gift is because it's a place where the burdens of your doubts and the burdens of your sins and the burdens of your fears can be shared together, right? We don't all come in on any given Sunday, having feel, feeling like we're just at the top of the spiritual mountain. And there's times when we come in and we go like, I don't even know if I believe this, but could you all believe this for me? I don't know if I have the courage, but can you have the courage for me? And there's this sense in which because we're a church of grace, that we don't have to have our act together. And the very thing you want to do when you feel burdened by shame or guilt or sin or doubt is you want to go the other direction, which is running away from the very place that God created for it to be carried. And so, uh, man, the, the, the church is such a gift, and that's why we have to prioritize it. And I think about this idea of showing up when you're at your worst yeah. really is one of the indicators to us of whether we believe in grace or not. Because everyone can show up when they're at their best. Sure. Because I, oh, I'm feeling great, I'm looking great, I can show up at my best. But mm-hmm. it's when we show up at our worst, when there is like sin or shame or doubt or questions or struggles, that it's like actually like the act of showing up is teaching us to really believe in grace. Yeah. Because we're going, I'm, my 
my belonging to this people and to this place is not conditional upon how my last week has been or how my last 24 hours has been or how my last two hours has been. It's conditional on the blood of Jesus, which is yeah. certain and secure. And so yeah. I find that like I learn more about, like I, I emotionally, psychologically learn more about what grace does when mm-hmm. I show up, when I most don't want to show up. Yeah. Well, that's what makes the church a, a, a kind of embassy of the kingdom of God. Right? This is, I think, another reason why we should gather is because we're, we're an embassy. We're a, we're a um, consulate of the kingdom of God. A few months ago, Molly and I were in New York and walking around and exploring, and, and there was this spot where you see this, uh, this French consulate, right? This is like French territory near Central Park, right? And uh, it's like, okay, everyone in there is inhabiting a certain way of life as the French, no thank you to it personally, but whatever. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you get a taste of France if you go in that consulate. What was interesting too is around it spills out these different restaurants and bakeries and coffee shops and this whole kind of French area sort of around it. And it just reminded me that that's a picture of the church. The church is this place where if you get in it, you go, oh, wow, I'm experiencing the grace of God. I'm experiencing the love of people that's sacrificial. I'm experiencing people admitting their faults and still seeing God's grace change them over time. And it's this, this thing that, that is this taste of the kingdom of God. And then hopefully it spills out. And so, uh, man, all of these are, are reasons why it should just be a priority. And I just think, like, where else is the glory of God and the grace of God being celebrated in our culture. Where else? Like as close as we get is actually this time right now when you're like walking through stores and hearing Christmas music. But that's like on accident. That's That's how it makes some money. Well, that's how good God is, is that he even salts our world with the grace of Christmas songs, you know? But man, where else are you going to go to experience the glory and the grace of God? like the local church. So this raises an issue. So, so we're talking about all this, like, here's why gathering matters. Here's why it's biblical. Gather, be in person, right? All these things we're talking about are things that you need to kind of be in person for. So the question I'd have is then, well, why are we doing a live stream, hmm. right? We didn't do a live stream before COVID-19, but we've continued our live stream, right? There's folks watching live stream. Hey, everybody. Great to have you joining us on there today. But why, if, if we go like, no, the important thing is gathering, then it, I could imagine a scenario where we go, you know what, we want people to gather, so we're cutting off that live stream. It's going away. Why would we do this? You know, the first reason is because we have it. So we spent the money, we have the infrastructure, might as well use it. You know, okay. that's the very non-exciting reason. But, but there was like a, before the pandemic, it was like, should we do this? Should not do this? It's like, well, it's not, it's a lot of money, you know, so, but pandemic, we spent the money, now we have it, so we can do it. So there's like the very, very, very pragmatic reason. That is super pragmatic. Yeah. The second reason is there's a lot of really good reasons why someone might have to be at home. Like you had a sick kid, you're sick, you're traveling for work, um, X, Y, Z reason that, and sometimes being able to not st- fall out of the loop when you're at home for very good reasons, um, that is great. And so we love being able to offer that for folks who are traveling for work or who are on vacation or who uh, are at home, you know, wiping noses, mm-hmm. that it's like a, a way to stay engaged. Obviously it's, it's again, it's a, it's a substitute. I mean, it's not a substitute, but it's a supplement yeah. and it's, it's just a really bad replacement. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's, when you've watched live stream at church, you know, it's just worse than being here in the room. Right. And so you don't have to like, we don't have to convince anyone that you're like paying as much attention when you're watching on your couch, when your kids are running around and stuff like it's, mm-hmm. we, we know it doesn't happen, but it, it is a, it's a supplement, not a substitute for, for the real yeah. thing. Um, but then even the third reason we're finding is that for folks who are new to town, who are going, what church should I be a part of? Or maybe they don't 
feel comfortable going to a church showing up yet. And so they're going to like watch from a distance online. It's like the digital equivalent of like sitting in the back of the room going, hopefully no one sees me here. And we find that a lot of folks who come here end up watching online for a couple of weeks first before they show up because it's going, hey, I want to get like a taste of what that place is going to be like before I actually Mm -hmm. set foot there. And then when they do show up, they're kind of less shell-shocked and they can kind of on-ramp a little more quickly. So there's a a lot of like pragmatic reasons I think it is helpful. But again, one of our hopes is that people can experience that and go, the church is not just an entertainment content dump, but it's actually a community of people trying to build one another up. And so that that doesn't happen on the live stream. Yeah, so we're going to continue to offer that, but we're not going to prioritize that because we want to prioritize this in-person gathering. So last question that we want to address is this, how should we come to church? And by this, we don't mean like, should you ride your bike, ride a bike or take a car, but like, what's the attitude? What's the posture? What's the kind of like, what's the way in which we should come to church? And so the first one seems to be like prayerfully expectant. Uh, We were in uh, London together um, for a gathering with some different leaders and different churches, and um, we were about to go into some different worship experiences. And uh, one of the people that was kind of in our group was like, you know what, every time I've been here at this church, God has really met me in a profound way. Like, I've just had an incredible encounter with God every time I've been here. And I had to admit that it had not occurred to me. We had flown across the ocean, and it had not occurred to me that maybe God wanted to meet with me at this worship gathering. I thought, oh, this will be interesting. I'll get some tips. Maybe I'll learn some things from this. Maybe I'll, like, I, I had it very analytically and it was this like, hey, Luke, wake up. Like, God wants to meet with you. And so what if we came with that kind of expectation, with that kind of, oh, wow, I might actually get to hear from the living God today. I might actually have the, the Lord put his finger on some area of my life that he's trying to give me grace. Hmm. I just thought, man, but we got to change the way we view church. Yeah, expectations are so powerful because they shape our experience. Yeah. And when, when you expect certain things, you look for certain things. And if you show up to church expecting to talk to nobody and to be entertained, then you'll talk to nobody and you may or may not be entertained. Right? Right. That's, that's just the yeah. truth. But if you show up expecting to be taught by God, to learn someone's name, to um, make a new connection and to have the spirit move in your life in a powerful way, not all those expectations will be met every single week, but you'll have you, what, what you're looking for, you tend to find. And yeah. so having rightly tuned expectations is a big part of what it means to healthily participate in mm-hmm. any situation, whether it's a date night or a movie yep. or uh, a dinner or a church experience. Yeah. We'd also say, we hope that as we come, that we come to do ministry. You kind of said, hey, we naturally have this, how was church, which is how was the sermon and did I like the songs? But what if we kind of added to that, who did I get to meet that I hadn't met before? Who did I get to reconnect with that I haven't seen in a while? Did I have the opportunity to pray for somebody or to encourage somebody? Did, did I, like, wh- wh- what, how was my coming to church? Not just how was what happened on the stage, right? We've called it over the years the ministry of the pew, right? Some of you, you just, you sit in the same places every week. I can just kind of look around this room and see some of you. It's like, yep, the rounds are always right there. You're always right there. And so, Don, I'm, a, I'm appointing you as the shepherd of that little neighborhood, okay? <laughs> All right, so that, that's your neighborhood right there. Come to church, ready to love those people. Right, and you just kind of look around, Matt. There you are. You're either there or you're back there. It's one of those two places. But w- when you're there, like you're there, I- I'm officially deploying you uh, to go be the church. Like that's what we're to be. Yeah, I think when we 
evaluate church based on what other people did, not based on what we did. We're kind of missing yeah. some of the point that like worship and praise is something that I offer. Mm-hmm. So if I go, how was the worship? I'm really saying like, how was my heart and what I <laughs> offered the Lord? I don't want to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, how was the worship? Oh, half-hearted. Well, that was your heart. You know, <laughs> that was your half-hearted heart. And so it's same with like, how was the preaching? How was the sermon? A lot of it's like having ears to hear mm-hmm. is part of it. Like Mature Christians are easily edified. Yeah. Someone told me one. Yeah, it does not take a lot to really hear from the Spirit yeah. and it, and going on those ways but i think about like my like my son so like even like this being a new he was kind of born just before the pandemic and there's a season there where we're driving to church and he's like no class no church and you're like not a good look for a pastor's kid you know <laughs> but and, and so like no no church no class and you're like oh we're still going and you know there's kind of like the handoff is a little awkward because it's like here's this crying bomb you know <laughs> so here you go you know and you, and you go the other way and that goes a little bit but then there are seasons where his like desire waxes and wanes. Like we went to Prague about two months ago t- to uh, visit my in-laws, and uh, everywhere he went, he didn't know anybody. He was unfamiliar with everything, and it was like this kind of, you know, kind of a scattered experience. You go from like living the most predictable life ever during being an infant in the pandemic to all of a sudden you're in this new place, different places. And our first Sunday back, we get in the car, we do like our Sunday drive, and all of a sudden he's going like church class see joy and joy is like one of the volunteers in his kid's room he's like somewhere where i know the person's name and i know who's going to be there and they know my name and and all of a sudden like him he goes from being uh kind of like i don't like that place it's not my favorite to all of a sudden he's going oh a place where i know people and they know me and i'm going to be plugged in and i don't know what's going to happen i think about joy who's a teen who like was taught by someone that serving in church is a good idea you know that didn't happen on its own and so now she has experience of giving mm-hmm. um, and receiving because it's fun when a two-year-old knows your name. It's you know, a positive experience, you know, joy of a little kid do that. And so just like this building each other up that like, so I think about like, if you're going to ask Joy, how is church? Uh, she might talk to you about like what the kids in her group did that day. Mm. Not necessarily was Luke on or off or was Seth on or off, you know? And, and so there's, there's this like this building one another up, string one another up thing that when we come to serve, yeah. all of a sudden our metric at evaluating how was it changes because now mm-hmm. I'm outward focused, not just inward focused on my church experience. Yeah, that shift from kind of coming as a consumer versus coming as an owner. Yeah. It's just a totally different that you're producing. You're not just consuming ministry. Yeah. And that, that's something that is very possible, whether it's guest services, serving in kids and yep. and I'm grateful for all the folks who are helping produce. Yep. When some of that's formal, like you have a t shirt on and you know it's and some of it's informal. You just are here in a way where you're learning names and, mm-hmm. and hearing stories and that's a big part of it. The last way I would encourage you guys and all of us to come to church is to linger. Is to linger. You know, we, we designed this space with lots of spaces for lingering. And lots of places to kind of facilitate community. Even all the glass that's everywhere is this way of saying like, hey, what gives life to this church is the people, right? I I was actually telling our architect in those days when we were just recording the sermon in here every week, I was going, Jack, you did a terrible job designing a TV studio. And, And he laughed and said, well, that's because we didn't design a TV studio. We designed a church. And the church, I mean, we have kind of inordinate amounts of gathering spots, And that's on purpose because we want to create the opportunity to linger. We could cram services closer together, but we leave a little bit more time because we want to leave space to linger. And so I just would encourage you to to the degree you can. I realize some of what we're saying like sounds really good if you're extroverted. If you're introverted, it's like this is the world's worst nightmare. Right? Some of you introverts said you'd been preparing your whole life for the pandemic, right? To just (laughs) by myself. 
And yet what I know is that, that for all of us, there are ways for us to contribute to the blessing and the encouragement of people as we gather together. And so I just, this is so, this is so key. And if we want to put flesh on our faith, one of the ways we do this is we gather. And so we have kind of like a baseline challenge, which uh, we hope lands. And it's kind of rooted in this idea that uh, one of the things that we're seeing with like the rise of mental health issues, anxiety, depression, if you talk to a lot of psychologists, especially child psychologists, adolescent psychologists, one of the things contributing to that escalation is what they call like choice fatigue or choice anxiety. Uh, there's too many choices to be making all the time. You have to choose which school, you have to choose your outfit, you have to choose your gender, you have to choose your, your pronouns, you have to choose your this, you have to choose your that, which sport, which school, which, and there's- Which playlist. Which playlist, and all of a sudden there's more branding, image projecting, choice making that's ever existed, and all of a sudden you're telling 15, 16 year olds, like keep making choice, and now, and now the last choice you have to make is every Sunday morning you have to choose, do I go to church or not? And it's like another choice that can default to something else. And so we live in this real opt-in culture where we're going to default is to do nothing unless we choose to do something. But one of the things we want to challenge us as a church to do is to flip that when it comes to thinking about church on Sunday mornings. Rather than choosing 52 times a year to go to church, choose once that you're the type of person who goes to church every Sunday morning. And there will be good reasons to opt out. You're sick, you're out of town, there's not being here. But you want the default to be, I'm going to show up and participate in the stirring one another up to love and good works. I'm not going to have to choose every single week. And so um, it's kind of like one of the reasons that I, uh, I like going to CrossFit mm-hmm. is you make one choice and then everyone else makes the rest of the choices for you. <laughs> when you go to Planet Fitness, you have to make a new choice every six minutes, right? And right, like I, I walk around the gym and it's like, I'm just looking at people and sometimes myself like, what do I do next? Yeah. I think I'll go home. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made it here. Yeah, I worked I'm out going for home I worked now. out for twelve minutes, I earned this cheeseburger, and then it's like yeah. and so it goes. Whereas whereas so some choices give you fruit of simplicity for the rest yeah. of your life. And so some choices are harder yep. uh, and you don't make them, but that's the reason I like that. And even I was talking to someone last night, uh where this is Jay's like first, he just had a birthday last month. So there's always already a bunch of toys and junk we don't need in our house. And then now it's Christmas and it's like more toys and junk we don't need in our house. And it's like how do you decide you're laughing at me too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Over yeah. Here. yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's like, oh my gosh, we, we just bought All storage. This junk that you <laughs> lovingly gave my kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The garage is full. We already spent money on more storage and it's already full. And so it's like, <laughs> I mean, five second rule trash for the toys is the, uh, the deal. So, but so I was like, how do you, because they have like, they have way more kids than one. And, it's, and like, we just choose that every year, each kid gets three gifts. And that just makes it simpler and easier. Yeah, but if it's good enough for Jesus. It's yeah, good it's good enough, enough for, for Jesus. Jesus got three gifts. You get three gifts. You're not better than Jesus, you know. Yeah. And so, and and I'm like, someone has a couple of kids back there. They're excited. About but I'm going. I wish I would have thought about that last month, so I could. That's you know, the the money spent. The toys are wrapped. But next next year, I'm going like I'm like one choice. It's three gifts, yeah. and, that, and that so one choice can create simplicity. So we're saying make the choice that from now on you're gonna go to church. A lot of you are here because you've made that choice. Some of you, though, it is more that like game time decision each week. And we just are saying, like, just go ahead and make it. Make the decision. There will be times when you're sick. There will be times when you're gone. Stuff happens. But just make that decision. And I think over time, those little one-degree shifts that you talked about, those add up. And we get counterformed into the image of Jesus. And we get more and more ready for the day that is certainly coming. Yeah. So will you pray for us? Yeah, let me pray. 
Jesus, I do pray that this uh, message, this exhortation to weekly gather with your body, that it wouldn't be received as some guilty, shamey, dutiful thing, but it'd be seen as uh, something that you have this heart for us, that we need this, that we need to be stirred up. God, help me believe that I need to be stirred up, that I wouldn't become some uh, self-independent person who denies uh, the fact that I need the church as well. And God, I pray for folks who showing up every week is just really hard. They have... Uh, kids with various needs and issues, um, in-laws with varying demands, others real work that needs to be done to make this possible. I pray that you'd give them uh, an extra measure of patience with themselves as they seek to make something like this happen. And God, I do pray that you would help us be a church that's not just a content disseminating engine, but that we can really be a place where people are known and seen and loved and they linger, and stories are shared, and uh, weaknesses are shared, and that when we're in our most sinful and our most shameful, that we can stir one another up and remind each other of the good news of the grace of Jesus, who has come near to us in, in, in the form of a child, of an infant. And so to be vulnerable is to be okay. And God, I ask that the rest of the service, even you'd encourage us as we address one another in songs and hymns and spiritual psalms, that we can build one another up Thank you for your grace with us and your patience with us. Amen.